0: Hello and welcome to Casually Profound. I'm Lauren McLean, your host, and here bringing you conversations with friends about how we apply spiritual concepts into our everyday lives. Even though we have all come through these conversations and these stories through our own personal experience, and many of us work as coaches in these areas, none of us are claiming to be experts in this. We are all here as peers talking about what we have been through and what we've learned from it and where we're going next. And today we're talking about why people choose to grow. You know, why this question has just been tickling my brain for a while. Uh, because you notice some people, um, who have decided to go on the spiritual journey and do all their healing and do whatever, and they're still not there. And yet there's other people who are totally unconscious or are totally not uh, on any kind of journey, but yet they have a lifestyle or have different things that we think we should have when we're pursuing growth. So this paradox has totally been tickling my brain. And I wanted to bring some people on who have had exposure to this and have been on a journey themselves and have witnessed other people's journeys to talk about why this happens and what's going on and what is the meaning of life. Because... All friends talk about this, right, all the time? This is like a regular Tuesday conversation. Um, So hello and welcome, my friends. We have Quinlan, Lainey, and Anastasia joining us today from all over the North America. Um, And hello, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having (laughs) us. (laughs) Bye. So, one of the beautiful things about bringing on a group of peers like this is that you, as the listener, are also one of our peers. If anything in this conversation excites you, turns you on, gets you talking back to the computer screen, feel free to send us a message and you can join these conversations as well. Send us a message on Instagram at profound and we can absolutely build a conversation out right from there so ladies um. What has been a time when you knew in yourself that you were ready to grow and step into the higher version of yourself or a better version of yourself? What really called you into that resonance or that space? What was that? What was the like aha moment? I'm like, oh shit, we're we're growing up here stage, you look ready to yeah,
1: dive in.
2: Yeah, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> for for me, when it first happened, I mean, I've had so many of these moments, um, and you're like, "All right, I guess we're growing, we're like growing again." But kind of that initial um, moment for me, and it wasn't a specific like single moment in time, but it was the a certain time in my life that I was in. It was around my uh, dark night of the soul when I was literally at the depths of <laughs> like all of the stuff that was going wrong in my life and um at that time I was living with major depressive disorder the height of my chronic pain where like I couldn't get out of bed most days whether it was from depression or pain um I really lost my life while living and it was it was a devastating time in my life and it was very lonely and I just kind of came to this this point where I knew that it was it was either change or die like I couldn't continue living the way that I was. Like something had to give. Um So I I chose change and I kept like fighting and, um, you know, working towards bettering myself and whether that was fighting for care because the military didn't want to cover any of my care after my injury for quite a while or, you know, starting to read books. I really followed that path and it ended up just leading me into the growth itself. And then I became almost like addicted to the growth in a good way where I just wanted to learn more and learn more and learn more and do more and do more. And, do more. and I just kept on going.
0: Cool. Mm-hmm. The, what was your first step in that?
2: Mm-hmm. Realizing it was time to change or to die. Yeah. So it was actually, um, at that time I had been a beach body coach cause I had kind of, So this was, this time was right around my surgery. So before my surgery, I was like, "Mm, I don't know that I want to be in the military anymore forever, considering like I was harassed every day after my injury. And it was, I was getting to the point where I was like, I was just done. So I was looking for something else. And in that time, I had also found beach body coaching and I had bootlegged a program because I was like, I need to learn about fitness so I can start rehabbing myself because I can't get care, and um, so I started. I started doing this Beachbody program, and eventually became a coach there. And as a result of that, I was kind of in the sphere. And right after my my surgery, there was another coach that was running a program um, for the month of May. So it was one of the the challenge groups that they do, and it was called May. You love yourself spiritually, and I was like, "Ooh, this looks interesting," and I just had this spark of like, "You need." you need to reach out and see if you can be a part of this. And she was teaching about like oracle cards and angels and intuition and self-love and all of these things that every so often came into my life, but I never actually explored them. But I was like, no, okay, I got to take this step. So I reached out to her. I said, hey, you know what? Can I be a part of this? I know that I'm not part of your team, whatever. And she's like, yeah, no problem. So I joined this group and it awakened everything in me. I started coming into like learning about my intuition because I had no idea what that was. Um, learning about self-love because again, I had no idea how to love myself. I I spent so many years in that energy of not enough and hatred of myself and judgment of myself. So this was that first step that really opened me up. And it's because I followed what I now know is my intuition. But at the time I was like, mm, I think I just got to do this. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm
3: super curious to know how, how would you define intuition?
2: Mm, That's a really great question.
3: I have thought, and and this is not like, I think I have an answer. I have thought the same thing and I've had very similar conversations and, and I love hearing other people's perspectives, especially people who are in a, in a really spiritual space versus people who are in a really. Um, medical or scientific space, right? And like how Mm. any of that overlaps. So I would love to know, yeah, like what are your, yeah, what are your thoughts?
2: Hmm. So intuition for me is that, I mean, so looking at it from the soul, from the soul and spiritual perspective, it's your soul speaking to you. Um, Looking at it from, a less spiritual perspective, it's that inner voice inside of you that is saying like, you know, you need to do this or something needs to change or, you know, giving these little like pings of you want to be called over here, or, like walk this path mm-hmm. or, or maybe check out this book or or whatever it is. Um, so for me, yeah, the, your intuition is is that little voice inside of yourself. It's it's your soul really speaking through you and giving you the nudges and the directions that you're meant to go in this lifetime that are going to make you feel better, feel stronger, more confident, more aligned in yourself, more purposeful, um, that are going to bring you deeper connection and love from that. You know, more healed and like higher place um, rather than staying in victimhood or struggle or pain. So it's really that, that voice just pulling you forward. And one of the things that I feel when you're discerning if something is right for you and using your intuition or trying to listen to that inner voice um, is when fear comes up, fear is... Almost always going to be present, and and we're not trying to erase fear because it, we can't. It's really part of ourselves as um, as a human. And when we are trying to discern if something is for us, what I do is I look beyond the fear. So, um, you know, if I'm feeling into something, so if I maybe I'm taking a, I want to invest in a coaching program or I want to take a trip or or do something that feels a little bit big and scary for me, I feel into it. And underneath that fear, is it pulling me forward? Does it make me feel lighter? Does it feel like it's going to really bring me along the path that I'm meant to go on? Or does it feel heavy and contracted and making me want to really shrink down and hide away? So is it expansive or is that about heavy and contracted? And that underneath the fear is how I can discern what my intuition is actually telling me.
0: Mm. Yeah.
3: I love that. That's
0: beautiful. Laney <laughs> or Quintlyn, do you guys have thoughts on what
1: your intuition
0: looks, sounds, feels like to you guys?
1: I was, when I learned my human design and le- started learning all about that and how to use that, um, instead of, intu- like it's, I won't go too into it right now because I'm probably not the person to explain it the best, but That is um, to lead by my emotions. And so I started replacing that with intuition and that's been a game changer for me. And I Mm -hmm. think that other people with different types of human design, um, they have like different centers activated that they're supposed to use for making decisions. And everyone that I've talked to that has different centers activated that like are supposed to be their decision maker, they really strongly resonate with that too. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. That changed my view on it when I learned all about that. May I ask what your type and
0: authority is?
1: Um, I am a, a projector, emotional authority.
0: Ah, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm a generator with an emotional authority. And, and okay. so you're a generator with a splenic authority, right? Sacral. Sacral, okay. okay. Um, Quinlan, do you, do you fuck with human design?
3: I am so... I'm an astrology whore. Um, so I know all of that stuff, but I have an app, so go ahead and I'll tell you what I am in a minute.
0: (laughs) Okay. So human design is astrology, but instead of plugging their planets into a 360 degree wheel, human uh, astrology does, and then you calculate your angles and everything based on the 360 degree and like the trigonometry of it and human Mm -hmm. design, it takes the planet's duplicates it for frenzies and then um plugs the two sets of planets into a 64 door circle which is the 64 doors are each of the things of the I Ching and so the planets still have degrees still have aspects still have everything but instead like the way astrology does except instead of um it being on a, a through 60 degree circle, it's on a 64 portal circle. And each of the 64 things work very similarly in astrology in human design. So in human design, let's say uh, gate two is activated by your sun. That I don't know what gate two is specifically, but it would work very similarly. Well, like if you're looking at an astrological chart, if your son was sitting in like the first deacon of we'll say the first house, it would that would have a very particular meaning, right? And so that it like it translates to human design in that way. However, human design does go um, a layer deeper on like the analyticalness of it, where there's the four transformations of human design. And so with astrology, the energy like kind of bounces around the birth chart based on aspects and based on whatever. And so different planets and houses and things play off each other. But in human design, energy comes in through a planet and into a gate and then into your like the human design equivalent of chakras, and so then it it activates a chakra and it activates a way of being, and then allows then when that energy comes in activates a way of being, then it gives you a chance to express that energy, um, in a way that is allegedly aligned with your soul or unaligned with your soul allegedly, and that all happens in the body. So it kind of mixes the planetary energies of astrology with a more applied body-centric focus. Um, although the method of like integrating and living human design from a embodied and deconditioned experience is like, in my opinion, like fucking 10 years longer of a journey than astrology is. Um, I always find astrology is much easier to comprehend, but like human design. So for example, when I listen to lots of human design readers on the internet, lots of them repeat this and parrot the same information over and over and over again. Because there's so much information to know about human design that, like, it's very hard to come to a first-person embodied understanding of it. And so you end up with the same people parroting the same shit all the time. Whereas mm. with astrology, there's kind of less, um, like, data points that you have to know and, or, and so it's kind of easier to come to a more embodied experience of it. So you can get a lot more variety of people teaching and doing things, if that makes sense. Anyways, so the the types of um, energy, the energy types in human design would be very akin to like a sun sign. Um, and then your authority is uh, very akin to, what would be an authority in astrology? A third, uh.
3: Like a house?
0: No, it's more of a. So your authority in human design tells you how you would make decisions. Yeah. I feel like Saturn. A Saturn placement would give you that information, possibly.
3: I feel like the decisions would be some kind of mix between your Mars and your probably rising.
0: I would buy that completely. Um, in your, but, but it's basically how yeah. you. Ex- so what Laney? So what Laney was saying is how your emotions. So like everybody will have a so I'm emotions and Laney's emotions. And so the, when you, the idea is in human design, when you follow that authority, then as opposed to following your mind, mm-hmm. um, then you are able to make decisions more clearly, more easily, and more effortlessly, and which is known as right. aligned. Yes. Yeah, so With following your intuition. So.
3: That was the best explanation of you. I've had so many people try and explain human design to me. I'm like, But what is it? And they're like, I'm like, that was so vague. I'll download the app. Yeah, it's just astrology put through a different
0: interface. (laughs)
1: I'm I'm a generator. You just bodied that, Lauren.
0: I cannot see that in the slightest.
1: (laughs) I'm a
3: generator. What does it say? You're a generator? With a sacral authority.
0: It's like me. Oh, so you're the same as Anastasia. Yeah. There we go. (laughs) 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 Cool. Fucking... 100% 100% here for generators. I'm super excited about generators. Do we
3: also know our signs? Does, do we all know our big three? Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Can, can I hear those too? Yeah. Okay. The okay. I'm Aquarius sun, Virgo rising, and um,
2: Leo moon. Nice. I am. Um, so in tropical astrology, I am Sagittari- Sagittarius Sun, um, Sagittarius rising, and Scorpio moon. But in sidereal astrology, I am Scorpio Sun, uh Ophiuchus rising, and Libra moon.
3: We
1: are science. In <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting.
2: That
0: checks out. So, Quinlan, what's your big three?
3: Um, so, I am a Scorpio sun, Scorpio rising, Leo moon, but I also have my my Venus and Mars are both in Sag in my first house. So, that comes out really. Oh, shortly. very cool. So, it's really like Scorpio Sag Leo, I consider
1: my big <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't know the two different types you were talking about, Anastasia, but I'm a Virgo sun. Uh Gemini uh, rising and
0: uh, Aquarius moon. Oh my god, I love that for you.
1: I feel like Kate too. Yeah,
0: yeah. I Kate. I feel like knowing what your social media feed looks like now that you've given yourself <laughs> the freedom to like yeah, use yeah. it to extent. I feel like that. Like that's a total, totally makes sense. Like a Virgo, Gemini, Aquarius.
1: Yeah, it's like, I don't know. I feel like everyone probably feels like theirs is so cool because it's, like, them, right? And, like, hopefully. But I'm like, those are such weird combos, in my opinion. (laughs) But it feels very me. Like, it it definitely feels feels very me. So. The,
0: what was your first one again? Virgo. Yeah. Virgo. Yeah. Well, see, like yeah. the Virgo is grounding though, because Gemini and Aquarius, that's a, that's the shit disturber waiting to happen. <laughs> and, um, the, but the Virgo sun is very grounding in that, very practical. Yeah.
1: And so. Yeah. Yes, she is.
0: Yes, she is. <laughs> see, my, all my Aquarius placements, I have Australia in the sixth house, which is the Virgo house ruled by whatever planet rules Virgo. I can never remember. Um, and so my Aquarius is in the sixth house. So that Aquarius and Virgo connection is like so strong. And so, like, yeah. things like explaining crazy concepts, I can just be like, oh, yeah, it's like this and like this. And, um, either people are on board or they're totally lost. <laughs> <laughs> that does not make perfect sense.
3: That, that lines up. That makes perfect sense. <laughs>
0: Anyways, the intuition I'm curious how intuition has played a role in um your like our all, all our ability to grow and change throughout life because I feel like one of the biggest things like they overlap to me in the sense that me growing and evolving as a person has really happened because I'm peeling back different layers that have kind of obfuscated my intuition. So thinking about it from a human design perspective, that's really really just a deconditioning journey. And in my human design, I have a split channel and an open head. And so the open head center means that I take on other people's ideas very, very, very easily and I can let go of other people's ideas very very easily. I have no defined sense within myself of my own ideas. I only have a body sense of where my like what I'm doing with my life. And so it's very easy to get overwhelmed with that. And so one of the early stages of me growing and evolving and changing as a person is letting go of the authority that ideas have in my decision making process, and the like mental pro and con list and that kind of thing was kind of one stage of things, and so the and so coming into that intuition, I think Lainey, you described it right as following your emotions and kind of coming into that side of things. The um, for me, it's been less about the what I experience as emotions and more about just giving my body the space to do the calculations on an abacus and like the emotional abacus, instead of trying to like hold the mental spreadsheet of like what everything is doing. And so the, I want to throw this back to to y'all to
1: see what that
0: connection between intuition and growth has been like for you guys. Yeah. I mean,
1: I would
3: say I really resonate with intuition as a sensation of, um, less, less so, um, words or a voice. And, I can think of three really pivotal points in my life where change was not an option. Like you were, it was just, you had to do it. Like I was felt like I was just being pushed and it was like, here we go. And they're the best, some of the best points in my life eventually. Um, but it was more of like a sensation and trying to separate what I was scared of or what I thought was going to happen or who I thought I was and what I was going to have to let go of. That was all, those were all words. That was all a voice. And my body was saying, I don't care. Like you're going to just have to do these things. One of them was moving when I was a teenager, I was 18, 19, when I left Philly and I moved to Portland by myself, I didn't know anyone up my shit, literally had two suitcases, flew to Portland and like held a life, which was amazing. Cause I had five years to become an adult and like build this life for myself and really figure out who I was while I was there. The second point was, um, when my mom died, which was four years ago. And that was a whole lot. Um, a lot of my childhood stuff stemmed back to my relationship with my mom. So that, forced me into a whole new world, got me into therapy, um, which, uh, you know, then brought the next version of myself. And I would say the last like six months, six, eight months, that was point number three, where I had finished school. i had been through a really, really rough relationship, really rough relationship that broke me. or well, maybe not broke it. I lost myself without a doubt. And I had to rebuild again. So they were all points in time where I just, I couldn't fight the change. And my body was telling me something's got to give. And the words were saying, oh my God, this is fucking terrifying. Who, who do you think you are? And my body was like, we don't care. We're just going to figure it out. And it always, always played out more beautifully than the last. Like it's terrifying, right? When you're in the middle of something like that, I'm sure we've all been there. And you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And then you look up one day and you're like, holy shit, I did that. <laughs> but it's that intuition for me. It's like that, just that feeling of this skin that we're trying to stay in is not, it's not fly. Like we're busting, busting of the seams
1: kind of a thing.
0: Mm-hmm. I think lots of those moments, like what you're describing, where it's terrifying in the moment, my I always wanted to want still to current active pattern to over intellectualize things and, um, you know, think about my feelings instead of feeling what's actually going on. And so one of the questions that I've often asked myself is like, is this the fear, the exciting fear that you jump into? Or is this actually like there is actual danger here? And, is this an actual problem? and I love getting stuck in that loop for mm-hmm. so long
1: and just mm-hmm. staying
0: stuck in that little loop of not knowing um and the answer nine times out of ten is it's titillating fear and jump away right
3: and then that paralysis by analysis that you can just get bogged down by like,
1: mm-hmm.
3: continue analyzing the same thing. For the next seven years and i probably won't know or feel more comfortable in making this Just like just kind of fuck around and find out that's been that's been my life lesson from most of those the times <laughs>
1: yeah it's funny like the way that you just described that quinlan and something that i've been really like kind of not not stuck on but like working on with clients a lot recently like working on with myself and I think because my process was a lot different um is this like idea of like micro changes like you kind of did this like trust fall like I'm busting out like you said and like my experiences have always been like very slow and like probably like agonizingly slow right like which is probably I don't know I should probably have leaned into like more of your vibe at times in my life (laughs) but like just that like really slow like making micro changes along the way um but I think like something that I've noticed and like I don't I keep going back to human design today is like when I get in that state of like bitterness complete burnout like feeling totally bitter and so like in the same way it's kind of like maybe not a complete rock bottom or anything like that, but just like, just like major anxiety, depression, complete burnout, just like no energy. Um, and then having to like, just kind of slowly crawl out of that, making like really small changes along the way. Um, and I have a lot of clients I've been talking about that idea lately too, right? Like and I think I just did a post about it too. Like it's easier on our nervous system to do like these small micro changes, but it sounds like in your case, Quinlan, like you didn't really even have that option. Like you were just like kind of pushed out of the, out of the nest of whatever situations you were in. Um, And I'm sure if I could think back to sometime that happened, I mean like moving to New York city, it's like, obviously I didn't take my time with that. It was like, you just had to get up and go, but um
3: well, yeah, I don't know.
1: So connect. I, I, I'll
3: connect that back to your astrology too. That's very Virgo. Mm-hmm. That's very yeah. like let's like. Um, oh fuck! What's the word? You're assessing for risk, right? Yeah, like, is yeah like the planning and and mm-hmm. really incremental strategic moves and totally you know, that makes. That makes perfect sense. And with my Scorpio and dad, just like death, rebirth, action, like
0: all the time. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm yeah. like only jumping off the nine meter diving board, like never yeah. jumping off the, the pool level diving board.
1: Yeah. So funny. <laughs> I mean, and that's like, there's obviously no right or wrong way, right? Like it's just what feels like the right way to go about it. Um, I'm probably connecting with like a lot of clients that, have like a similar approach, like you know, to really slowly, like kind of meticulously. But that's hard for for change though. I wonder when it takes so long. If
3: if your micro changes are strategic for you, like you can control those micro changes and then the big pushes just happen for you. I think for me, I like pushed into or like i leaned into the bigger changes and then i have to yeah. choose my micro changes um uh, a little less naturally. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, i was going to say like the approaches you're kind of like with the micro changes you're kind of front end loading your attitude adjustment whereas when you take the deep jumps cuz like i'm more of a jumper as i'm a lot of a jumper and um the you, the consequence and like not that it's good or bad is that the consequence is you take five minutes to make a decision, and you spend three years adjusting yeah, to it yeah. and becoming the person. It's not three years; maybe it's whatever the time frame is. But you spend your longer time after making the jump integrating the person you've become. Because um, this is like, so
1: funny, Lauren. Because now, like when you said that, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm flipped." I take three years planning it, and then five yeah. minutes to do it once I'm like fucking ready for it. Exactly. So it's like we have the exactly. jumpers and the planners. <laughs> yeah. That's a great way of explaining it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: that yeah. lands for sure. You know, I think there's also another component there with when it comes to change that we put so much pressure on time, you know, how much time is this going to take for me to change? When am I going to get to the outcome that I'm seeking? And we're so focused on the end goal that we, We forget the importance of the journey, whether we're like a planner or a jumper. And either way, things are going to work out in divine timing as they're supposed to. And we can, in some ways, accelerate that. And then we can also slow it down based on where we are in our growth and in our readiness and in the lessons that we're learning but ultimately, we're still on the path. And anything that is continuously moving us forward, whether that's in those big jumps or in those small ways, is forward movement. And there's so much beauty and power in that um, that we, we can't forget about that part.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. Oh, I completely was, agree. Yeah.
0: I was taking some of your old advice, Anastasia, about listening to Abraham Hicks. Oh yeah, big, big change. Um, I've had some Abraham Hicks playing as I'm going to bed lately, and the there was one that uh, the other day where oh fuck, I'm going to totally forget what she said. But um, the fuck, come on, come back to me. Oh, it was so juicy. No, it's gone. Okay, well something with Abraham. Oh, I got it. It's back. It's back. Um the so the idea that like we have this idea that like desires are only valuable once they're once you have them, once they're completed. Mm -hmm. And that like part of being human is actually the chase, is actually not having your desires. And not having your desires is equally as important as having your desires. Because it means you're alive and you're doing the things and you're experiencing and it's all like this beautiful unfolding, right? And so um, the something just hit me today as I was walking is that like my insecurities and those voices in my head that are like, you'll never get this done or you'll never do it, are literally the signpost saying you haven't got your desire yet. And how beautiful is that? because it means that I'm in the pursuit of something I love. And it means that I'm in that lane of, of actively bringing more love and joy and happiness into my life. And I say love and joy and happiness as in like I, as a generator, I am the most happy when I am doing the things that bring me joy. And so like when I'm writing, when I'm recording a podcast, when I'm like doing the things um, that inspire those feelings Um, I'm in the pursuit of my desires. I'm in that state of happiness. And that is like, that's the, that's the fucking magic. That's the point of it. Right. Yeah. It was a fucking moment. I love that. (laughs) I love that.
3: Yeah. You're, uh, and the, I think when most people hear desires, they think of things like they need, um, a job or a partner or a, a you know, tangible object, whatever, like if I need that thing or and I love that you brought that back to it's the joy and the love and the like, because the, that's the why, right? That's, that's what you're really chasing. The other thing is the strategy to get you there. And I think when people lose that, or can't find that thought process if you don't look into it a little bit deeper, you'll just continue chasing and chasing like without real purpose, so the fact that you know that purpose if you know what that's bringing you,
2: I think that's that's
3: like the golden ticket that's beautiful mm-hmm.
2: and this is on topic, but off topic, but you know surrounding things like manifestation, since we're kind of chatting about this um You know, something that I had a potent realization around um, just only a couple months ago was that, you know, I was chasing the wrong things for me. So oftentimes, you know, you, you talk about all these, like the desires that we have and it's, and like that it's often the things that we want or like the, the partner or the cars or like the certain amounts of money or, or all of these things when really, especially for us as women, what we really want is the change in feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're manifesting things and when we're, when we're growing in life and in business and, and all of these different areas you know we we try to put these material manifestations at the as part of the end goal like oh when i have this that means i did good or when i when i reach this point that means i did good but when we're when we bring that joy back in like you were saying lauren but then also look at will my life actually be very much different outwardly? Is that what I want? And if it is, that's great. But I know for myself, I was chasing like more of the material things for a while because I felt like success had to equal a different material look on my life. But really, my life... In everything that I'm working towards, it's not going to look very different, but it'll feel different. So, what really I'm looking for those feelings within myself, like that feeling of freedom, that feeling of more expansiveness and joy, and and deeper service towards others, and you know, bringing joy into even more like organic vegetables that I get to buy, or like anything that I get to support myself. But outwardly, my life's not going to look different, and it doesn't have to like I'm still going to go thrifting when I'm like super duper successful because I love it. So where can we expand that love and joy even in what we're wanting as well as the journey.
1: Yeah. It's so easy to to like right like you said like feel like you're only going to going to experience that when you reach it and mm-hmm. I'm like having these thoughts about like what, at least in my experience was like pushing me out of where I was into where I am now was the opposite feelings, right? Like the opposite feelings of what I was trying to achieve. And so it's like, if you're, if you're able to identify like what you do want to feel or what, if you know what you don't want, right. That can help you figure out what you do want. Like it sounds Mm -hmm. so simple, but a lot of times people don't even know. It's like, well, what do you, you know, what do you want? What, it's like, they only know what they don't want. Um, and they're not able to identify what, what they do want. And it's, um, yeah, I don't know. I've noticed that a lot, a lot with people.
2: Mm-hmm. I think when we get too caught up in everything that we don't want and the struggle and like the, the harder times of life, we stop dreaming a lot of the time and when we stop dreaming and really feeling into what gives us joy what like what do we love to play in what like sparks our creativity and all and all of these feelings that's when we become really disconnected and and we're so focused on that what we don't want that we can't even tune into anymore what we do want because that dream feels so far away and so unattainable that like, how can we even put ourselves into that or how can we even imagine what it feels like to be healthy again or what it feels like to be truly happy again or loved again or, or whatever it is that we're craving. Um, so yeah.
1: Like really identifying mm-hmm. with the struggle.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would argue that when you're in that survival mode, it's not that you stop dreaming. It's that the dream almost becomes like you're watching a TV show. And like, it's not like when when you're watching a TV show in real life, it's not like you're going to jump into the TV and like take part with the characters. It's very out there. And so in those moments where you're in, in those periods, when you're in that total survival mode to me, it feels like your dream is on the TV. It's not mm-hmm. active. It's not whatever, because there is a belief that it's not possible. It's a belief that yeah. you're not a part of it, right? And so when the when that dream really becomes a, like a cloud or like you're in it, if you're yeah. on set, you're doing the things, that's when it really, I think, gives you the permission to know what you're moving towards because there's that distance. I, to me, it's like, Square thinking versus uh, circular thinking. Uh, I notice when I spend too much time in my analytical brain, or too much time on like the literal computer and stuff like that, like my thinking starts to become so square. That sounds like a weird way to describe it, but like mm-hmm. it becomes so linear. Whereas when I go outside, or when I you are going for a walk, or you are like looking up, or you are doing something creative, your thinking starts to web out and it starts to become more spiralic and more open and creative and that kind of thing right and so it becomes more engaging it brings things towards you as opposed to seeing things separate so I don't think the dreaming stops I think that your distance from the dream and that kind of sense of hopefulness changes mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. think you know we're gonna bring it back to human design it's how much do you feel it in your body yeah right
2: yeah yeah, yeah I agree with that
3: even so much on on a very literal neurological level when you're so used to defaulting to what is what I don't like, right? Like you're you're avoiding those feelings that you don't like. Like those neural pathways are strong. It's like, nope, we don't want that, we don't want that, we don't want that, as like a safety mechanism. And I love that you bring up when you get outside, when you change your environment like you're literally disrupting those patterns and it gives your brain the freedom to, to break away from what you're so used to. Like, like it's, it's default roads. Like I love the comparison between like a dirt road, a really, really weak neural pathway versus a highway. We know exactly how to find what we're afraid of. And sometimes we don't really know how to get to that thing that we want. And that takes work, like that takes very intentional, a very intentional shift. To get your brain into that state, and I think that's just how a lot of us are programmed, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Like repeat patterns over and over. You know, there's this, there's so many different cycles, right? Like cycles of abuse, cycles of, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of other things that we get stuck looping in um, because it, it's like scarier to to take that dirt path as you're saying. Quinlan. Mm-hmm.
3: Right. Well, and how many of us were raised and maybe, maybe all of you, but like how, how many of us were raised to seek out joy just for the sake of joy or just to do things that yeah. we like, right. We were, it was mm-hmm. don't, don't that's bad. That, that'll hurt you. That's not good. That's yeah. you know, where well, we had mm-hmm. to figure that out for ourselves. Like, Oh shit, I don't like that. And there's no one here to protect me. Like it's makes sense.
0: Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the stories I know I grew up with was uh, there was a lot of judgment in my home growing up. And the one of the major judgments that I witnessed and was able to take on myself for a while was, if I can't do it dancing backwards in high heels, you should not be doing it at all. And so watch it. So then really, there's no space to be a beginner. There's no space to try anything out. There's no space to honor following your gut path because everything has to be planned and perfect and polished from day one and so that was definitely a big aha moment to realize oh no i can just like play in the mud and like i can just do shit and and figure things out and this is right for me um and break into that and i know with the away and towards motivated in NLP, they consider that to be one of your like default settings. Uh, there's a group of things that in NLP, they call metaprograms. And, and it's kind of just like the way you see the world. Another example of one of the metaprograms is how many times does it take for you to see a um, like change behavior in someone in order for you to believe that it has actually changed? Or or, how, or essentially, how many chances um, would you give somebody in order before you cut them off, right? That's another like meta program. Some people are like one and done. We're done forever. Some people will give you a thousand chances before they cut you off. And that like away and towards motivated is considered in that same category where you're either just away motivated or you're just towards motivated. And in order to to switch that paradigm, there's a lot of like very conscious exercises and conscious rewiring that has to happen, mm-hmm. as you were saying, Quinlan. mm mm-hmm
2: you know i think to um looping back to to abraham hicks and and the neural pathways something that i used at the very beginning of my journey was abraham hicks um because i was very much in a like a lack mindset scarcity like fear victimhood and like every all of my thoughts when i looked at, looked at them they were very negative very like heavy, disheartening, like disempowering. And using something like Abraham Hicks, I would listen to it for hours on repeat. Anytime I was driving anywhere, I would throw on those audios. And what it allowed me to do was interrupt those stronger neural pathways of those like victimhood and and the heavy thoughts and beliefs and the mindset that I carried and form a new one because it literally... I. I could not have a negative thought when I was listening to this and I listened to it as much as possible until the neural, this new neural pathway over here got stronger and stronger and then became my primary pathway and this one it's like a tiny little dirt road. It's really overgrown now. Once in a while, I try to venture down it, but it's so much easier for me to come back to this new one. That's very positive. And when you use tools like that, it is so helpful, whether it's listening to something, whether it is, you know, throwing on music, whether it's changing your physical environment, whether it's using a script you write out for yourself, every time you catch like a pain or a thought pattern or something coming up, those are really, really potent tools.
3: Oh my gosh! I want to run that back, like louder for the people in the back. I think we don't think about that so much. The things Mm -hmm. that we're consuming, the choices that we're making, our environment, the people we spend time with, what we're scrolling through—I mean, it Mm just—it's all contributing. Everything that you just said, and to realize that you have the power to shift all of that. You have the power to shift not just your mindset, but your physiology. Like this is a Mm -hmm. a very legitimate thing. Like if that's half the reason why I take a cold bath or a nice bath every day, like it's, it's, it's that idea of just, we're going to make decisions that help us feel good. And on like a, you know, really simple basis. And so we're going to listen to things that make us feel good. We're going to set goals that make us feel good. We're going to, you know, it's all of those choices that when you realize you have the autonomy to improve mm-hmm. this this day-to-day life, it's game over. You'll be You're a whole new person after that. Or I should say game started.
1: I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Game on. Yeah. Game on. I think it it feels so hard at first, right? But then like using the cold bath, like you start, you start doing it. It was probably so much harder, like the first week than it is now. And that's the same for anything. And like, you can, you can just like continue spinning that web and they all start connecting together and so it's like, you, you can add on one thing and then in your mind, like subconsciously or, or consciously or both, you know, like, oh, I can do hard things. Like I'm resilient. I can, I have that plasticity in my brain to like continue. I, oh, I used to, I did the cold punch thing. Like I can do this in my job or like this with my partner or whatever. It, it just grows from there. Um, there's no like limit to how many pathways we can have so we can just keep getting them stronger and wider.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, and if, and so not only do you know, right, that you can do hard things because you just showed yourself that you can, but that Mm -hmm. you set yourself up with so much, like your internal dialogue improves and not to mention you have Mm -hmm. dopamine now kicking you in the ass. It's like, oh, we didn't like that, but now I really like that. And then it motivates you in a much more constructive way for, to, to strive for that delayed gratification. Like it's not, it's not, I'm going to eat really, I'm going to eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's and it'll feel really good now, but I'll feel like shit later. (laughs) Even though, you know, we all do that on (laughs) on occasion, (laughs) but you know, I'm going to be uncomfortable now and feel really good later. So like setting that up, you get not only your internal dialogue that improves, but your body says, Oh yeah, no, we do. We're going to work for this. We know how to do this now. In mm-hmm. a healthier
1: way and and too, like I'm feeling like to to pull the body into it, too. like we're talking a lot about like the brain and like thoughts and language, but like I mean, it, I, I keep going to the cold plunge, but like that is bringing the body into that change too. like we we need both the mind and the body to like be on board for those things. And I don't know, maybe whatever you guys think about this, like I don't know which comes first if they both go together. I don't know if it matters, right? But, like, I think maybe some people, they probably lead with their mind and the body follows. Well, it's just, you know, it's, like, top-down approaches to therapy or, like, bottom-up approaches to therapy. It's, like, what, like, both are valid. Um, I lean more towards, like, a bottom-up approach, which is, like, body first, like, somatic, like, Mm -hmm. not... if you've seen my page, you see like my whole shtick is like talk therapy is like not really, but like you know, I like that's kind of the shtick, right? Like sometimes talk therapy doesn't work for people. We have to have both on board, um, and so I prefer like the the body first, right? Like we can think our way through things, and but it, making sure that we're bringing the somatic experiencing of it into the picture. Um, because if we want to make a a change, we can think about making the change and then take those steps. But if our body's like, Oh fuck, no, we're going to, it's, it's stronger, right? Like, uh, um, I have a couple of therapy friends that say this all the time and I like it. It's like the mind is a monkey, the body's a baby. And it's like, right. Like the, (laughs) I see your face. Yeah. It's like, right. If our if our mind tries to take the steps, but the body's like "I'm out of here," then we're gonna go that way um, yeah,
2: I think too I for myself
0: the as I say, for myself, I know that the building trust has been the thing that has got my body on board, and any instance i any instance where I have followed my intuition, which I believe comes from the body um. That trust is cumulative. And so anytime, and sometimes it's really dumb shit. Like when I'm driving home at the end of the day, I'm going to turn left at this spot that feels like I should turn left at when I would normally go straight. Like even those little tiny moments where you're following that, like, ooh, this is fun of the intuition. Um, it builds that trust. And so then once and that builds slowly over time. I think for myself, lots of those like pattern changes, thinking of the cold plunges as like a broader template for habit changes in general. Because um, I think habits are something that gets stored in the body and as a really good like kind of marker for whether your brain and your body are on the same page. And so and when you're able to implement a new habit and maintain it over a period of time, that would be a marker to me that like your brain and your body are on a similar page because you're able to make changes and maintain those changes. Whereas like when you implement a habit, then you're like, yeah, we're going, we're going, we're going. And then your body's just like, nope. And then you get that kind of snapback of like, the habit's gone or you can't, like don't want to have no motivation to carry on with it and that kind of thing. Um, you know, your brain and your body are not on the same page. And those little moments are all cumulative, in my opinion, and then, you know, show you in those small ways that you can trust yourself. Your body can trust where your brain is leading you. And you can trust um, that you're going to move together on things. And so then, you know, implementing the pattern, like doing a cold plunge every day. For me, it's writing every day. Um, that those become more rewarding. And and the, there's a thing in Dopamine Nation is a book that talks about uh, getting like doing these things that are scary or hard or whatever first, or um, taxing your body first, in order to put yourself in a dopamine deficit, that your body naturally wants to come back into that afterwards with increased dopamine afterwards, um, and so then you really are using your mind to to muscle through so that your body reaps the rewards, and then and that kind of symbiotic back and forth, a reciprocal nature of the body and the mind working together.
2: I think too, another really important part of, you know, making like doing habit changes and everything is our motivation and our, um, our expectations of self. You know, when we are, when we're learning to build that trust in the body and make these small changes and, and put these habits into place, so many people, and it, it's not the, not for everyone, obviously, but so many people make the mistake of expecting too much from themselves where they're like, okay, well, I want to run a marathon. So I'm going to start doing a run every single day this week and they'll keep it up for a one week, two weeks, maybe three, and then they get taken out and then they've now... It kind of like cemented a failure into their body saying like, okay, body, you were right in the first place. I can't do this. And then you try again and you keep hitting those same walls. Whereas if we adjust our expectations to something that is so stupidly easily attainable. So like if you want to start running a marathon, like start by going for like one 30 minute walk a week. If you've never gone for like walks every day. Like start start so simple that you're cementing those wins into your body, that trust into your body, and then once that feels so easily like easy and attainable, add something in. Okay, well now I've done one walk, so now I'm going to do one walk and one like five minute run, and if I need to walk during that run, that's fine. And then you just make it easily attainable, and this this way of pacing yourself really lets your body build that deeper trust. And then the the other part of this is bringing in like, what is actually motivating you? Because we often want to change because something's not working, but then are we continuing to carry that energy through the reason why we're not changing? So, like, using our body and like fitness and stuff as an example, like, are you exercising because you want to lose weight? Okay, well, that's, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But what's the motivation behind it? Is it because you feel like you're not enough and you're not happy in your body and you feel weak and all of these things? So, are you going to carry that energy through or are you going to switch it? To instead of like judging myself and beating down on myself because I haven't done enough yet and I'm not reaching my goal yet. And like, I'm not enough. My body's not enough. How can I bring that love back into it? So, can I love my body through this? Can I exercise because I love my body, because I want to be stronger, because I want more energy, like switching it part way through? So, it's okay to have that kind of more negative motivator at the beginning, but it's not sustainable in the long term because at some point you're going to fall off. So you need to be able to switch it over to that positive motivator once you get going. And even better if you can do it before you get going, but at least once you get going so that it is sustainable over the long term because all of these habits that we're building are not for short term. They are for long term because otherwise, why are we building them? Mm
3: So much, yes, so much, yes, and I, I've seen that so frequently in clients trying to shame their way out of these behaviors that that just don't align with them, and or shame their way out of a mindset, shame their way out of you know decision, just just shame. Like that's mm-hmm. such a driving factor, and. And it, like you just said, you carry that through until you until you realize that it's only going to drag you down. Even if you build all of these really healthy habits, and you're doing it all out of a, some form of self hatred, that just
2: perpetuates. Mm-hmm. And then and you it reminds. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, and then you never get the satisfaction at the end if you continue bringing that shame through.
3: It's like if you make a million dollars doing something that you hate. And you're just sad with a million dollars versus, you know, you make 20 bucks doing something that you love. You're like, oh, that's so good. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> the satisfaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you
0: go. I know. I think for me, a lot of those voices of the self-hate and the shame really became invisible in a lot of ways because they were, so, they permeated so much. And so I didn't have the self-track in my head being like, oh, you got to do this because you suck or you got to do this because you're fat or, you know, those kind of things. It was just so much more this like push, 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 push to keep going or to keep whatever that I would plow myself through a brick wall to get what I thought I wanted. And it wasn't until I really slowed down um, that I like really fucking slowed down, like really went slower than I ever wanted to or cared to or felt good to go that it let me actually kind of reorient to that towards motivation and to figure out what I like. And it's been fucking super captivating because my desires and what I want to get, do and try and get out of life and experiment with in life have been going through a major shuffle lately. And um, it's been really fun because it really has helped me to see those to, toward motivated spots and, um, And and because of that, notice where the shame and notice where that kind of self-deprecating sense was shadowing spots that I didn't realize were in the shade. Sort of fascinating experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
3: And your body knows too. I mean, I a little bit of my background, I flew through a biochemistry degree, applied to med school, or blew through the MCAT, applied to med school, like did all of these things, got got really good grades. I was so disciplined. I was so in it. I was so focused. And my body was livid. Like I had, uh, my eating disorder had come back after years of of being pretty tempered. and And I was so stressed. I looked sad and pale and like everything in me was just screaming. But I felt like I had to get this thing, like the, the drive was to prove my potential to myself, not even necessarily anyone else. And I just like, again, hit that wall of what the hell, like this, the change is here. You can't do this anymore. You're going to ruin yourself. My nervous system had had enough. And switching from that place of criticism and shame into a much softer, like learning I learned my feminine energy in that period of my life. That's for sure. (laughs) But but it was exactly that. Like I had to switch the motivator, and then I. Then you realize, oh my god, I can do anything that I want, especially those things that align with me. (laughs) Like that's when it's easy. That's when it flows.
1: Yeah, that's where
3: my mind was
1: starting to go with this conversation too. Like we're talking about like reaching these goals or like bringing these habits into our lives and like how to get from like where we are to doing that. And something that I find super important too is like okay, so you you can get to here and then if you don't like that, it doesn't mean it was a failure, right? Like it doesn't mean that you chose wrong. Like yes. I could have quit my job and worked for myself and fucking hated it, but like that's okay. I learned about myself in the process and then I could go apply for jobs another day. Like you know what I mean? Like It's not a failure to try something and find out you didn't like it after all or like it wasn't the right thing. Like, I mean, there's so many examples I could give right now, but like you guys know what I mean.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, the amount of times now that something that I had done in the past that I hated, that I quit, that I like went in too hard and left just as hard, the amount of times those things come back and are actually useful in the future, I'm, somebody asks a question, and I just like know shit because I've been through it. Even though it's like so far in the dust, but like it never fails to amaze me. Um, it never fails to amaze me how yeah. how that stuff always circles back around to help.
1: You just become like a more depthful, like vivacious person,
0: right?
1: Yes, yes,
3: yes. And the idea that if you feel um, so- guilt or shame around having made a decision that was wrong will just carry with like you, you had to learn that lesson. Mm -hmm. That situation had to happen so that you could wholeheartedly realize that you are now where you're supposed to be like that kind of thing. Instead of looking back and being like, Oh, why did I do that? I wasted so much time. You didn't waste any time. You got to where you are now and here's the beautiful reality that you wouldn't have without it.
1: Yeah. You can always pick up and do it again. Mm-hmm. You can always change from your changes.
0: Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one last question for all you fabulous ladies. What is one thing that you are towards motivated that you are embracing in your life, um, whether you're jumping or planning for it? Uh, what, what is one thing you're going towards right now? I'm happy to start us off. I know for myself, the, I'm towards motivated with play. Um, with letting myself be in the mud and um, just having fun. And so that has inspired a lot of creativity. My strategy for that is creativity and writing and creative directing different projects and calling and collaborations and all that kind of thing.
1: So that is my towards motivated right now is your play.
2: Um, I mean, I have, I have so many things that, I'm beautifully towards motivated right now. And a lot of it's with, um, you know, with business, with, you know, running our festival in Manitoba this fall, which is such a big and beautiful, like undertaking and, um, you know, just expanding, expanding business in the way that I serve people um, and really help them and teach them to heal themselves and all of that. But also, not working as much at the same time. So really like having that beautiful co-balance energy so that I have more play in my life and I have more space, but I'm still like in deep, effective service. Um And then the other thing that I'm really towards motivated is we're we're in the energy of wanting to start our family and, um, you know, bringing bringing all of that together. So like making sure my business is on point, making sure my health is like really, really beautiful, making sure that I have that, that co-balance of, of play and living so that, you know, when this little soul decides to to come down um, I am as open-hearted as possible in, in every area um, to go through that journey. Beautiful.
3: That's so wonderful. Oh, mm-hmm.
1: That's so exciting.
0: I feel, I feel butterflies for you. you. <laughs> I'm so excited you're claiming that for
3: yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I, I would, having moved what, like six weeks ago, I've only been in Montana for about a month and a half um, and moved here not knowing anyone again. I have been so towards motivated uh, honestly around everything new, like saying yes, saying yes to meeting people, which terrifies my little Scorpio Um, (laughs) saying yes to trying new things and going put like, I'll go snowboarding by myself, go rock climbing with new friends, like go out on a night when all that I really want to do is just like hide with my dog
1: again just just fun new things
3: that give me a different um perspective i'm loving that i'm very i'm like let me let me meet all the people and experience all of the things and i always 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 end up grateful for it and i kind always is extreme but yeah. You know right.
1: um also, in the energy of growing my business, um, it's you know a little baby business that we started in January. I mean, I was seeing clients for a long time on the side, um, but working for myself full time, and that's going really, really well. And so, I'm just trying to lean into that. Um, but I think more so, just like I'm noticing kind of the ways that people are finding the work that we do helpful, the reasons that people come to me to be their therapist in the first place. And I've been really, you know, kind of like amazed by like the different reasons for that and what brings them to, to the work um, of therapy. And just really kind of further developing those aspects, those parts of myself. Um, And then from there, like figuring out how to serve the community that I'm building outside of just like the one-to-one stuff. Um, I'm pretty niched, but like what are the pain points that the community that I'm, you know, kind of growing and cultivating are needing help with? that i can provide service for um and what can i learn from them too so like just kind of this almost symbiotic relationship that i think i am really putting energy towards and trying to clar- clarify and like find clarity in a little bit so, yeah. beautiful
0: mm-hmm. beautiful well thank you so ladies. Thank you so much, lady, for for joining us today and for sharing for sharing your life and your light and your energy and ideas and excitement and everything with us today. I appreciate it immensely. And um, thank you to all the listeners for sticking through with us until here. It has been a joy having you along in this conversation with us. Um please join us next week on Thursday. Um, we will have Uh, Myself and Shauna will be on talking about living neurodivergence and what that has all felt like for us so far. And there will also be a couple of solo episodes coming out between uh, in the next few weeks. There'll be additional episodes with just me, myself, and I talking. Um, So I hope that you enjoy those and join us for them again next time.